next on Contemplate. Money isn't everything, okay? It's not everything. You know what is everything? Jesus. That was Pastor David Robinson, and this is Contemplate. Money is a big deal. It just is. And in a marriage, it can sometimes be the biggest deal, and also the cause of a lot of trouble. So how can we make it all work? Let's find out. Here's Pastor David Robinson with today's episode, recorded live at Axe Church. Oftentimes in a marriage, there's a spender and a saver. Sometimes a spender and slightly less spender or more expensive taste and less expensive taste. Sometimes, in other words, there's more than one spender. Sometimes there's more than one saver. Those people are boring because they never want to go out and do anything. Um, But I'm just saying the two spenders are more fun. They have no money and they're borrowing from you, but they're more fun than the two savers sometimes. I'm just kidding. It's actually better to be the two savers because it's wisdom, right? But usually there's a spender and a saver. My marriage, I'll let you guess. Yes, I'm the spender. My wife's the saver. Um, I am... (laughs) This is kind of, this is the way that I've been, especially when I was young. We have X amount of dollars, right? My wife's like, okay, with X amount of dollars, and we don't get paid again until this day, we can eat between now and then if we just use these coupons and go and buy these things and, and make sure that we have enough meals. And this is my mind. I'm thinking, but, wait a second, we could take all that money and just go have a kick-butt meal at the Outback, and then let future David and Tiffany worry about being hungry. Let's do that, right? Moron. I'm a moron. I'm, just, I'm telling you, I have no idea why this woman married me. I am, but that's the spender mindset, right? You're just, you're not thinking about tomorrow guy. Tomorrow guy can worry about tomorrow guy. I'm today guy. Today guy wants to eat out back, right? And so that's kind of the spender mentality. That's how things go bad. And, uh, you know, you got you to work through that. So if you're the spender, you probably need to... Cut that back a little bit, right? Got to cut that back just a little bit. All right. Uh, and by the way, if you have an issue with more calories than you should have, probably stay away from the buffet. And if you have an issue with more money than you actually have, probably stay away from the mall, right? Make wise choices about the temptations that you put yourself in when it comes to this thing. All right, next principle. Some of you will be fine with this. Some of you won't like it. Here's the principle. Your money is your spouse's money. Your money is your spouse's money. For some couples, easy. For some, quite hard. Um, I'll tell you, there is no scripture in, in the Bible that says, thou shalt keep a joint bank account. That's not there, okay? But what's the principle for what marriage is. Let's look at this verse we've looked at before, Genesis 2.24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. One flesh. Okay. If you cannot share finances, how do you share life? How do you become one unit? How do you become one operating unit if you keep your finances separate from one another? Now, I understand there are some situations where at least some of your finances might be separated for particular reasons. Sometimes your stuff illegally or with, with inheritances or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the much more common one, which is you don't trust your spouse. That's my money. Now, every single thing in your marriage that's yours and not theirs is one more place where you're not becoming one flesh and you're not becoming one unit. And every little thing of trust that doesn't exist there is breaking down at your marriage. Okay, it is not a good idea. 
It is not a good idea. If you can't trust your spouse enough with your money, what are you doing having children with this person? What are you doing giving them your heart and all of you, you can't, but you can't trust them with five bucks or whatever it is? That's crazy. That's crazy. Like I say, I understand there are some reasons why you might have to separate some things, but if your whole thing is I'm separate because I just don't trust this person, that's an issue. That needs to be worked on, okay? And probably young people should be something you work on before you get married. If you're not going to trust the person when you get married enough to share your finances, you might want to think about finding a different person, okay? You might want to think about that. All right. For me, this was easy. When I got married, I was absolutely willing to share everything with Tiffany. She got half of all of my debt. And so it was really (laughs) an exciting time for her, okay? People, when they get older and have more money, are a little bit more hesitant about making that, that commitment to share. Okay, and it's tough. But listen, this is a trust and honesty issue. According to a poll conducted by uh, Harris Interactive, 31% of those who combined finances admitted to lying to their spouses about money. Another third of those surveyed said they just that they said they'd been deceived by their spouses. And that's just the 31% of the liars that told the truth this time on the survey, right? Um, this is why people don't trust each other. That's why people don't want to share their finances, because they're lying to each other about their spending habits. This is a, here's another and, and more fascinating statistic that I found incredibly sad. Four in ten, okay? 40% of Americans surveyed agree that honesty about finances is more important than honesty about fidelity. This is what that means. 40% of people would rather have you cheat on them sexually and lie to you about it, then have you go buy a boat and lie to you about it. There are some priority issues there that are very, very concerning. And Jack, if you're talking about a central vow of marriage, I would rather have you break that than spend my money and not tell me about it. It says something about where we're holding money, where we're valuing it, okay? Um, Okay, so ask yourself, if you, if you do the separate finances thing, I just say ask yourself this, okay? Ask yourself, is this a trust issue? And if it's a trust issue, let's work on that. Let's work on that again. We have resources. We can help you work through those things. And there are people who are untrustworthy with money, and that needs to get fixed so that you can trust each other so that your marriage can be strong, okay? Um, principle number four, tithing. All right. You're like, uh-oh. Here it comes. I don't like it when the pastor talks about tithing, you know. Church just wants money. I got trapped to come in here. Listen, don't freak out, okay? Um, I know that, and you don't seem to be so far, so that's good. No one's like, first service, it was like, you know, grabbing their wallet. People are headed towards the door. It was, it was mayhem. Listen, I'm not going to be taking a pledge from people today. I'm not, they weren't really doing that, but I'm not going to be taking a pledge. I'm not going to be handing out an extra offering. That's not what this is about. I'm not telling you this because God needs your money. God does not need your money, okay? God gave you everything you have, every talent that you have, your intelligence, your family, your opportunities, your job, your health, everything that you have, every dollar that's in your bank account, God gave you. He doesn't need your money. He needs your faithfulness. 
He needs your faithfulness. So we've got to talk about tithing because God's called you to do some very specific things with your money. And I'm not going to lie to you about that. I'm going to tell you the truth about that. He's called you to tithe. So I'm going to deal with a couple objections. I know we did the praying earlier today. And so I might go over just a little bit. I hope you'll just kind of hang with me. Um, But let's go through this real quick. First objection that I hear is this. Tithing is an Old Testament law principle. An Old Testament law principle. This is what they say. The New Testament doesn't talk about tithing. And it's part of the Mosaic law in the Old Testament. That's what people will say. That's what they'll argue. Let's take the argument. I'm going I'm to rock through it as quick as I can. Let's take it one at the, one at a time. Um, when did God set up the Mosaic law? With Moses. That's why it's called the Mosaic law. It's not just a clever name. It means the law that he gave to Moses, okay? Now, was Abraham before or after Moses? Abraham, before or after? Before, good. We're, we're good. Abraham was before Moses, Jacob was before Moses. We have instances in the Old Testament of Abraham tithing to Melchizedek, the priest of God Most High. Amazing story. Someday we'll get into that because it is fascinating. But we have that. Then we have Jacob saying, I'm going to give a tenth of everything to you, God. This predates the Mosaic Law. This predates the law of the Israelite people. Okay? This appears to be something that is a principle, a principle of our life in God. Okay, And then for those who say that it's not in the New Testament, it's not in the New Testament, let me tell you this. Here's what Jesus said, Matthew 23, 23. Let's read it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Okay, wait, what is Jesus saying here? He's saying, look, you guys are tithing. You're literally going out into your garden and cutting out 10% of the mint, anise, and cumin leaves to tithe. And yet you're neglecting the big things like justice and mercy and faith. Okay, he's saying that. But, but what does he say next? You should be doing those things, justice, mercy, and faith. But you shouldn't be neglecting the other either. You should be doing both. You should be doing both. Yes, is it more important to be just and merciful and faithful than to tithe? Yes, it is. But that doesn't mean you're not supposed to tithe. Jesus never abrogates or gets rid of tithing. It never happens. Nowhere in the New Testament has gotten rid of. In fact, it's just assumed. That's why when he's talking to the Pharisees, he's saying, you need to do these things, but of course you should tithe. That's just a principle. That's just a principle. Okay? It's there. Now, For those who still want to say, no, 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 the New Testament, you know, we're not under the law. That means we're not under tithing. Be careful that you don't prove too much. Because if you want me to take the Old Testament out and use the New Testament only as your guide to how you should use money, you've got some problems. you got Jesus going to the rich young ruler saying, sell everything you have and follow me. Right? You've got, him, you've got him lifting up the widow with her two mites who gave everything she had. And you've got the early church in Acts sharing all their stuff in common. Now, if you want to get rid of the Old Testament and you want to get rid of all this stuff about the principle of tithing, you want the other thing? Because 10% will start to sound pretty good when I talk about, hey, let's sell all your stuff and bring, and bring the money in, okay? So be careful that you don't prove too much. Listen, tithing is absolutely a principle that you're expected to do, that you're expected to do. God expects it from you as a minimum of showing your devotion to him that he's given you everything that you have, okay? Here's the deal. You will honor and treasure that, in which you, that, that you invest in. Whatever you invest in, you'll honor and treasure. You will treasure what you invest in and you will invest in what you treasure, okay? Um, in other words, where you spend your money shows what you value. 
where you spend your money is going to show what you value. If you always have the latest iPad, the latest fishing rod, the newest car, but you threw 10 bucks in the offering last Easter because you're feeling especially generous and that's all the giving you do to God, that says right there what you value, where your value is. Look, you show me your bank statement and I will tell you what your priorities are. It is that simple. And that dresses down every person, including me, in this room. If we pull out that bank statement and look at it, you'll see where you, what you value. You'll see what you care about, what you treasure by what's on that bank statement, period. Tough truth, right? Tough truth. But your tithe is an investment in eternal things. When you are faithful to give your tithe to the church that God has called you to serve in, called you to serve in a church, when you tithe faithfully to the church, that is going to eternal things. And if you don't trust the church, or you think the church just wants your money, or you, then you shouldn't be going to that church. You shouldn't be learned, being taught by that church. Go somewhere where you do trust the people and tithe there, right? God's called you to do it for eternal things. All this other stuff we spend our money on, it's going to burn. But the eternal thing, the soul's that are saved, the people's lives that are transformed, those are eternal things that will last forever. There's nothing better that you could spend your money on, and it shows what you value. Next objection, I'll volunteer instead of tithing. I'll give my time instead of my money. Let me just tell you something. Giving money and giving time are not the same thing, okay? God calls you to give a tenth of your increase, of your money, okay, your wealth. That's what he says. I'm just the messenger. Okay, I know it would be easier if you could do it your own way. You ought to volunteer. You ought to faithfully give your time and not neglect the other either. You're called to do both. Some people say, well, I, I've got more time than money, so let me give my time instead of my money. And some on the other side say, I've got way more money than time, so let me actually give money instead of my time. Both things show that you want to give the thing that you value less to God. The thing that you value less. That's not the way to treat the king of the universe and your Savior. He expects you to do both. Both. He expects you to give your money, and he expects you to give your time. Okay? Neither should be neglected. This is your ministry. This church is your ministry. Yours. Not mine. Not the other pastors. It's ours. It's all of ours. We all have a responsibility. I've got a responsibility. You've got a responsibility. Okay? Ministry costs money. You know how much ministry I can do with 100 bucks? 100 bucks worth. That's about it. It costs money to do ministry. This stuff doesn't just happen by itself. God expects you to do what he's called you to do, okay? Don't hold back from God that which you value. Value him and show him that you care, okay? All right. Um, when you tithe, you will be blessed. God promises you that. Make no mistake about what I'm saying here. Listen very carefully. This is not a promise, that you will become healthy, wealthy, good-looking, that you're going to jump higher, run faster. None of those things are what is being promised here. He's going to bless you in the way that he knows you need. I don't know what that's going to be, but I can tell you this, more than you can handle. In whatever area he's going to bless you, it's going to be more than you can handle. You just need to be faithful to him. You just need to be faithful. I'm going to read a passage, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Listen. Listen, don't let money control you. Listen to what Jesus says here. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, 
Because of that, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's Matthew 6, 19 through 21 and 24 through 34. What is Jesus saying? He's not just talking, by the way, to people with a lot of extra disposable income. Who's he talking to? People who are worried about eating and having clothes to wear. That's who he's talking to. And he's still saying, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Righteousness, like doing what he's commanded you to do. Think about that primarily, and he will take care of the other things. When you say, I don't think God's going to take care of me, so I've got to hold back what he's asked me to give him, because I don't think he, I, he didn't check this month, and he's going to let me starve, or he's going to let whatever happen. You are saying, I know better than you. That's not seeking his righteousness first. Trust God. Trust God, okay? You got to follow God's call on your life, which includes tithing, okay? It does. I know you don't like to hear about it, neither do I. It's rough, but I tell you what, I can tell you that it is rewarding and God does bless. And a life following Him is a blessed life, okay? He's asking for so much more than your money anyway. He wants you to love with all your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength. Money, that's nothing compared to, to that, to all of you that he's asking for. The money should be easy if you're doing those other things, okay? Now, go ahead and exhale. I'm done talking about tithing. Let me kind of wrap up here, all right? If you and your spouse are disagreeing about money regularly, okay, it means you need a truce on money, which means you're probably both going to have to move a little bit. And I've told you, we can help you with that, but there's going to have to be some movement from both sides. You need to find that trust and that communication about money. That means sometimes you need to talk about it when you're not talking about it, okay? Your spouse is not trying to ruin your life because they like to spend money, nor is your spouse trying to ruin your life because they like to save money and not let you spend it. Neither one of those is the case. They just have their own things about money that they're working through. That's what's going on. you got to work it through together, part of being married. Okay, part of being married, you got to do that. Listen, money is not everything. I'm going to tell you this story. It's going to take a couple minutes, but it's going to be worth it, I promise. So this is a money story. Um, I was in Honduras. I think this was last year. And we're in kind of the touristy section of Honduras. If any of you have ever been to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, it's kind of like that, only, you know, not as nice. And uh, we, were, we went to a coffee shop, and I had some coffee. Sometimes when I have coffee, nature calls. Okay? And so... Here I am in this foreign country, and I've got to use the restroom um, for reels, right? And so I'm like, Banyo, right? Do you guys have a bathroom? And they're like, yeah, go through here. So I go in there, and, and things, are, things are moving quickly, so I just have to kind of sit down and get to work. All right. I told you it'd be worth it. So here we go. I, I got to sit down. I get to work, and, and finally, whoo, some relief. Look over to the toilet paper. No toilet paper. 
I'm in this bathroom in Honduras, messy, with no way to take care of that mess, and I can't call anybody back there or anything, and I am in a place where I would pay anything for some toilet paper. Now, this is a Lempira, okay? It's worth about five cents. I would pay anything for some toilet paper, and I had some of these. All right, so I had to take care of my issue that way, okay? And I'm thinking, <laughs> money isn't everything, okay? Sometimes there's something that's even more important. So, I mean, I don't remember what it cost me, a buck fifty or whatever, but I was, you know, everybody. And by the way, in Honduras, you can't flush anything. You have to throw your toilet paper in the trash can. So there was money sitting in there. No one's going to want to touch the money in Honduras now. And they're like, that could be Pastor David's poop money. So, <laughs> sorry. Told you this story would be worth it. It's a fantastic, uh, great time. Anyway, money isn't everything, okay? It's not everything. You know what is everything? Jesus. If you are finding your strength in Jesus, it will not matter what's going on financially. There is nothing in this world, famine, death, that will ever separate you from his love. So if you are finding your strength in him, you will not be preoccupied constantly with where you're sitting financially. That doesn't mean you don't need to work hard. Doesn't mean you don't need to try to save money, try to spend wisely, try to honor your spouse in what you're doing with money. All those things, absolutely. But remember, that's not where your contentment comes from. It never will. When the, next, the next time you're about to yell at your spouse, fight with somebody about money, remember, no matter what the end of that argument is, it will not make you content. Only Jesus will. And so you may want to just take a step back. Make sure your priorities are right and then deal with whatever you've got to deal with there. Listen, I want to see you guys thrive. I want to see all of us care about what's truly valuable, the eternal, the things that Christ is going to do through you, through us, through this church. That's what we need to do. That's the impressive stuff. What's impressive to me is when you're after eternal things, okay? It is so much cooler. You look so much cooler with God in you than new Nike on you, okay? Way cooler. The eternal is way better than the temporal. That stuff's going to burn. But what we do in Christ is going to be forever. Find your strength in him. It's not about money. It's all about Jesus. It's true. As we focus on Jesus as the most important thing, everything else really will fall into place. And if you could use a little help getting your priorities figured out, we'd love to help. Come see us this Sunday morning at Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington. You'll find practical, helpful teaching just like you've heard today and folks that really care about you. Get directions and all the info you need at axechurchnw.org or call 360-885-9000. Thanks for listening, and be sure to check out the next episode with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.